Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And I'm very glad that you are tuning in. And I hope that you are referring this show to many of your friends and family. We've gotten lots of great feedback about it, and I'm always grateful when I can help people become the best version of themselves. And so we are talking today about reactors versus responders. And before we jump into it, I want to remind you to visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. There's lots of neat things there for you. We have um, study guides that correspond with the different shows that, that I've done. And there's also some, some mini books that you can also take advantage of. And we have a great one that's called Be Your Own Best Change Agent. And I think you will like that very much. So reactors versus responders, ending well. So what this really means is that we are either a responder, which means we respond to a situation and figure out how to maybe have the best outcome, or we're a reactor, and reactors simply react, and we have to then calm them down. And so reactors make you know snap decisions and many times walk away from a situation very upset with themselves, and they can't believe that they said what they said or did what they did, whatever that was. So this is part of the book that um, I have been writing for the last five years, and it's called Wars to Peace, When Relationships Go Nuclear. And, it, you know, it was quite an endeavor, but I'm really excited about it because it really truly is the human manual. And there is such great insight into it. And all the years of being a therapist, you know, these 30 years, I've really put together a book that will help you figure out how to be the best version of you in all situations with all humans. And so we want to begin by looking at this, what I call interrelational DEFCON, because the book has a lot to do with the DEFCON principle. And it's people recognizing what level they're at so that they understand what they need to do to help themselves so that they don't go nuclear on someone. And then after, you know, all the, the fallout, there's all that regret. And maybe the relationship actually is destroyed. And so this is really important to understand how your body is managing the stress that you are having, whether it's positive or negative stress, 
in different relational situations. <clears throat> Excuse me. So as we clarify what each level has looked like on an interpersonal basis, I want you to become familiar with and really envision your own unique emotional threat levels, which is your interpersonal DEFCON. And what does uh, you know emotional threat feel like to you? What happens when you feel a little uneasy? What does it look like for you to react strongly? What does all-out war mean to you? And see, at the end of this chapter, this part of the book, when we talk about the DEFCON principle, you're, you'll be able to define your own levels of DEFCON and describe each one of them personally so you know what it looks like and feels like when you're escalating. So DEFCON is a countdown, and we talked about this last week, that it's the 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and 1 is obliteration. 1 is nuclear. So you're descending into outcomes that may or not be fixable or undoable. And so we're kind of counting down to this irreversible event. Like, you know, we count down for kids. We say 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, go to your room, right? Or you don't get to watch your TV show. Don't get to have dessert. And so five is the furthest from the ultimate break. Four is a little closer and so on. And so level one is the explosion. Level one is devastation. Level one, we don't come back from. So when we think about these things and we look at five, which is characterizes the lowest, lowest state of readiness, you know, this is the one that when we're living at peace, and, and DEFCON 5 is kind of the default for a lot of our social, workplace, romantic relationships because the goal is to stay at DEFCON 5 the majority of the time. Now, how do we do that? How do we stay calm? How do we stay reasonable? How do we stay in that adult part of us? Well, you know, unfortunately, not everyone's going to pick up this book and, you know, buy into the principles Inevitably, we will be in relationships with people who are not committed to peace. So we may find ourselves at DEFCON 4 more frequently than what we'd like. And in fact, we, we may even have to live there a great majority of the time. See, despite the world around us, you know, let us not allow this reality to dilute our commitment to living at peace. We want to make every attempt to live at peace. So when we think about this whole idea of, of level, you know, we go five, four, three, two, one. So if we're at five, which is peace, and we go to four, it's close to five, but it's a relaxed state of calm. So it kind of hints at instability. And so it calls for increased intelligence gathering, and we want to be a little bit more aware of what's going on. So what does it look like when we shift from DEFCON 5 to 4? Well, um, let me give you a, a workplace situation. So you're enjoying a coffee break in the company, you know, restaurant or break room. You become aware of a person entering and you notice that they're agitated. So all of a sudden your senses are heightened and you're now consciously assessing the external world. So you've now moved to DEFCON 4, which is a, a higher alert. But instead of escalating, I want you to commit to relaxing and staying calm. I want you to keep gathering information so that you can look at this person from a distance. The same way that we watch television, right? We can turn it off at any time. We can walk away at any time. 
And so it gives us this sense of control that we really actually can control much of what's going on if we just simply control ourselves. See, this is a choice process. So understanding that you have choices enables you to stay at a, at a more calm place. And you're choosing to respond, not react. So this is where we ask ourselves, should I engage or not engage? Does this have anything to do with me? Or do I just need to be supportive? Or do I quickly want to walk out of the room? So this is why we do not call first responders first reactors. Reactions are not conscious decisions. Responses, though are immediate, they reflect a conscious choice. People that are responders have practiced responding, have practiced not reacting. So reactors think after the action. Responders think before they act. So we've talked about this idea, you know, the movie, The Terminator, right? And one of my favorite movies. And when that Terminator hears the knock on the door, you know, he has these four options that pop up in his, inter his internal visor. And so, you know, it's A through D. So let's pretend that your brain has this ability. So you might see the following options. Someone knocks on the door. You might say, what's up? Are you okay? Maybe level, you know, B is, you know, do you need something? Maybe, you know, we, as we get to maybe three, maybe we say, you know, uh, I think I'm not, I'm not willing to answer the door. I got to go. Or I don't, I don't want to talk to you right now. Or maybe if you are the Terminator, you might say something vulgar, right? And I don't recommend it. And, and he, you know, dropped the F-bomb. So that's, again, why it's called the bomb. You know, it should be a bomb. And so this is where we actually get to, you know, a different level. And we're refusing engagement. You do nothing. And you're upset. And, get, and you get out of it before you can engage. So you make sure that you are taking care of you in how you are going through this process. And so when we have this idea of these four prompts, it, it helps us to understand that we have options. See, the essential lesson in DEFCON 4 is that you have choices. You have time. Nobody can make you do anything. See, you may not have control over someone else's state of being, but you have control over your own choices as well as what you decide to do. So we want to increase awareness. We want to relax our bodies so that our bodies don't start to tell our brain to think negative thoughts. We want to just relax. And we want to say to ourselves, you know, I have time. And remember, if you've listened to this show at all, I talk about blood, broken bones, nobody's breathing, or fire. Those four things mean we have no time. We have to act immediately. No matter how messy it is, no matter what the wreckage and damage is, we have to act immediately. So everything else in our world, we can, we can wait. We can take a breath. We can relax. We can just say, hmm, how do I want to react to this? How do I want to respond to it? I don't want to come out reacting and then have to take it back. So this DEFCON 4 is this heightened aware, awareness that there are choices. So I can make a calm decision. 
I can be, I can increase the intensity of myself if I feel that there needs to be more of an alert position. But as the levels of DEFCON progress, the stakes get a lot higher, a lot higher. And so we, we've talked about this idea that DEFCON 2, this is physical violence. This is domestic violence. This is people throwing objects at one another. This is shoving, kicking, pushing, holding people down, wrestling, throwing punches, choking each other, right? Alcohol often accompanies level two and three. So here's what we want to do. We want to really focus on controlling ourselves. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about reactors versus responders. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and thank you for joining today and listening and really taking advantage of all the things we have um, on the website that are really for helping you become the best version of yourself so that you can feel good in your own skin. So when you walk away from a situation, even if it's messy, you don't have to feel all that consternation that somehow I messed up that you can walk away saying, you know, I did the best I could do. I'm proud of myself. I did a really good job in that situation. So we're talking about this idea of emotional or interrelational DEFCON. And this is the book that I have finally completed here after five years. And it's called Wars to Peace. And you can find it um, soon on Amazon. It should be out within the next couple weeks is what I hear. So that's very exciting. And I really want you to take advantage of it because it is really the human manual. And it's taken me quite some time to write and to finish. But it really is the culmination of 30 years of, of practicing, you know, therapy and coaching and consulting and pastoring. And so I want you to really understand this idea that imagine the world where everyone just controlled themselves. We didn't have to control one another. We didn't have to consequence each other because each of us controlled ourselves. Imagine what that would be like. See, the DEFCON principle really comes from the military. It's the way that they make sure they don't overreact or underreact. And so they have these guidelines that they follow that cause them to move to different levels or to back off of different levels. So when we're talking about these, these lower levels of DEFCON, because it is a countdown, it's a five, four, three, two, one, and one is nuclear. We want to think about DEFCON two. Okay, that's right before the explosion. This is when we're sending out, right, the fighter jets. And physical violence is oftentimes a part of DEFCON two. And, you know, domestic violence breaks out. People start throwing objects at each other. They shove, they kick, they push, right? All kinds of things. Lots of, you know, negative words. And, you know, everybody's upset. And the tension is so high. And what happens with this DEFCON 2? See, this is a place where people pull out weapons. So now they're not just physically fighting. Now they've brought weapons. Knives, guns, whatever it is. Throwing things at people you know, crashing the car, whatever it might, may be. And it leaves people in an emotional bankruptcy. 
just like with financial bankruptcy. See, if you can't find the money to pay your emotional debt, you'll have to start over with your relationship. See, if the emotional damage cannot be repaired, then you might have to start fresh with the person in order to save the relationship, or you might have to write off, you know, the past harm and start to get to know each other like you've just met and have never met each other before. Because, see, when we get down to DEFCON 1, that's when something dies. So either the relationship ends, the marriage dies, maybe someone kills the other person. It can be an emotional death. You know, the heart is dead towards that person. There's no way to make it soft again. The relationship's done, the marriage is over, a divorce has happened. So if it's not an emotional death, it can be a physical one. If weapons are fired, if people are fighting and pushing, if the fight goes too far, it really can end in death. And you can't come back from that. See, once you start arming yourself, you may accidentally or impulsively go to that DEFCON 1, which means something's probably going to die. So you can't undo those results. Once the nukes are set off, you can't call them back. All you're faced with is the wreckage, damage, and subsequent rubble of the war. So when things get to DEFCON 1, there's so much cleanup and injury that needs to be done to to get back to normal that sometimes there's too much damage to even repair it all. Excuse me. So some things will simply never be the same again. And the ability to reinstate trust or openness Safety may not even be available anymore. And you might never be able to comfortably live and rest at DEFCON 5 in that relationship again. You may still stay in the relationship. You may still love the person. But because of the past, it's going to be tough to not have that emotional DEFCON part of you escalate every time you see a look on their face, or they shut the door too hard, or they didn't call back when they said they would. And so this is the trauma that comes with not being a responsive person, but being a reactionary person, that I react first before I respond. So when you use this whole idea of DEFCON, (coughs) excuse me, my goodness, If you use this idea of DEFCON, then this only means that you're using self-awareness to sense your own emotional threat level. It also means that this is an effort to keep peace. This is de-escalating conflicts. This is keeping ourselves at DEFCON 4 and 5, where, you know, we can fix things if something goes crazy. At 4 and 5, we can fix things. And I can't over-emphasize the importance of staying calm. This significantly helps those around us to stay calm as well. I mean, if they're willing. So using DEFCON really means this proportional responses and implementing gradations in your reactions. So when we integrate DEFCON principles and DEFCON becomes our default, see, then our automatic reactions will be controlled. It doesn't mean we don't have them. 
but we're able to choose at this point. So this system obviously is not immediately natural. In fact, it's our natural default is to discharge emotions on other people without even thinking about it. So we, we do not naturally, you know, grade our reactions, but instead, you know, we naturally let them go full force. So can you imagine what would happen if the U.S. government or any other, other com- country automatically defaulted to firing upon every country that leveled a threat, regardless of the scale or the intent? See, there'd be nothing left to salvage. So the old system lets you in your initial reactions take charge, but I want you to learn a new mode of defense. I want you to learn a new emotional language. So if you've ever seen, you know, that old show, the I Love Lucy show, you know that Lucy's husband, Ricky Ricardo, speaks both Spanish and English, right? And English is his second language. So Lucy will inevitably do something silly that causes Ricky a lot of trouble. And when Ricky cannot stand Lucy anymore, he starts ranting in Spanish, the language he learned growing up. So we all have an emotional language that we learned when we were growing up. Perhaps you learned to yell from your mother, or you learned to be passive-aggressive from your father. Maybe you learned that the only path to getting your way is throwing a fit. So as we get more stressed out, we go back to our first emotional language. So this is what we're working on, is changing our, our language to be more emotionally suited to our age. This is Cynthia Hyatt. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about reactors versus responders. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And we are talking about reactors versus responders. And this is a part of the book that I've just completed called Wars to Peace, Keeping Relationships from Going Nuclear. And it really is the human manual. I mean, it's taken me five years to write this book, but it really helps you understand what's going on with you physically, physiologically, emotionally, what, what's happening to you um, in the world, like relationally, so that you can really manage you well. And what you'll find is that, you know, think about this idea. If everybody just controlled themselves, think about what the world would be like. Wouldn't that be, it'd be amazing. It's, it would be heaven, right? So I want you to think about being committed to peace doesn't mean that you're letting people push you around. Not at all. But being emotionally contained, you are better able to hold your ground and do it well. So you can protect yourself and stand up for yourself without being defensive or aggressive and posturing, you know, without adding to more chaos. So if you're emotionally contained, you'll not have the regrets about your words and your actions. And the more in control of yourself you are, the safer you are and the safer others are around you. And most people borrow from that. So if you start to calm down, many times they also start to calm down. So the bottom line is you have a choice. You have a choice. So I'm going to let me let me um, tell you for a minute about a pivotal moment when I really, truly realized I had a choice. 
that I could choose to be emotionally contained. Now, all the people that know me know that I am, I am kind of have a big personality. I'm kind of expressive. Um, I talk really fast. I have, you know, big feelings. And so I want you to realize why this was so important for me. See, when I was quite young, I was in a relationship that was fraught with relentless and intentional conflict. And this boyfriend tried his best to tear me down, wear me down, and exhaust me to the point of worthlessness. And I remember one especially hurtful evening when he went after me. Now, this was out of boredom. Again, attempting to emotionally incite me to react. He threw insult after insult at me. And I could feel the conflict rising. And I had engaged in prior times with him. And his accusations were enough to make a person crazy. You know, he's throwing lie after lie after lie into the fray. And I found him again and again and again in my face. And I could feel the heat and the intensity of this moment rising. So if you know me personally, you know what a soft-spoken person I am. Like, I don't like to hurt people's feelings. I do not enjoy conflict. I was not raised with yelling or swearing. This was very foreign to me and very scary to me. So through my boyfriend's treatment of me, he deftly taught me to yell and swear as I tried to protect myself from this daily emotional abuse. And I began turning into someone I didn't even know. And I remember one evening particularly well. He came over. He was relentless, following me around the house, cornering me, not letting me leave. I had never felt the desire to hit or hurt someone in my life. But I just wanted him to stop. I wanted him to leave me alone. Now, truthfully, no one would have, have ever faulted me for defending myself or filing a restraining order. But I was too embarrassed to take any step that drastic. See, I had just finished my master's degree, just barely beginning private therapy practice, and my relationship had become so stressful for me. I felt like I, as a professional, should have known better than to get into this situation and have these problems. So this is what's so amazing. The moment that the light bulb came on for me, I realized I could stop this at any moment. I had a choice. I could stop myself. So with my fists and still tightly balled up, I took a deep breath, relaxed my body. I turned and I walked away. I simply walked away. I got in my car and I drove to the store. He was absolutely shocked. And that set a new precedence in our relationship that was very, very monumental. And it taught me a lesson that I could not control him, but I absolutely can control me. So I'm glad I didn't, you know, cross over into any physical violence. Because a violent encounter with him would have probably become the new standard. And so I was very thankful that in that moment that God just gave me this like, hey, Relax your body and take a breath. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to change him. You don't have to stop him. You have options. You can respond. You can walk away. You can get in the car, drive away. You could lock the door. You could call the police. You could call a friend. So many choices that I never even entertained. So this is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of reactors versus responders 
and how this helps us end any situation well. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. If you're just tuning in, this is the last segment of the show, and we are talking about this idea of reactors versus responders and ending well. And so this means that with any situation, no matter how ugly it is, no matter how great it is, I have the ability to end it well. So I was talking in the last segment about this relationship that I was in with a young, when I was younger, much younger, and what I learned from it. And one of the things that I learned from this ex-boyfriend is that bad character corrupts good morals. And I never really understood that. But there are simply some people I cannot be around because they will inevitably corrupt me. I cannot be who I'm supposed to be and also be in an intimate relationship with those people. And so it's really understanding your own level of capacity. So coming to the realization that I had limited capacity required maturity and wisdom and learning to recognize what is healthy and unhealthy and being firm with the boundaries that I know about me and knowing my own thresholds. And see, that meant that I could be proud of myself in terms of how I acted or responded versus trying to make the situation better. Because if I could make the situation better, I would, but I have to have a participating party. And if the person that's also part of this, this situation is not wanting to have a good outcome, then part of being an adult is, is accepting that fact and saying, then I can have a good outcome on my own. If that person chooses not to have a good outcome, that's up to them. But I can choose to end it well so that I feel good about the way I ended it. So how do we end a relationship in the healthy way? See, however you choose to end a relationship is as important as the decision to do so. Ending a relationship is just as important as the decision to start a relationship. So I want you to ask yourself, do you allow yourself to get triggered and so angry that you become violent or aggressive? Do you behave in inauthentic ways and that take away from your own center of power and create, you know, terrible outcomes that <clears throat> give you shame and guilt and, you know, you start hating yourself, all these things. So behaving in these ways is no different than a child having a temper tantrum. And the results can create very unstable and sometimes unsafe situations for yourself and others. See, when you think about children having temper tantrums, it's frustrating. It's, it's maddening. It's, you know, you, it's tough. And you want to intervene and you just want them to stop. And you want them to stop crying. But they're little kiddos. They're little. Even teenagers, we say, okay, they're a teenager. They're working on this. They're trying to figure out how to control their body, control their emotions, control their mind. And so we give them a break. But when we have people that are driving, driving age, drinking age, that are over the age of 19 and up to 24, and 24 and after, we're not going to give these same breaks to those people. Because what happens with those people is they may be feeling like a little kid inside of themselves, but they're in an adult body 
which means that adults can do things that cause a, a no-return issue, which means that we can't come back from this. This went so bad that we can't come back, either emotionally, even physically. What about financially? How about spiritually? What it might do? So how do you call it quits in a healthy way, in a healthy adult way? <clears throat> well, there's three main components I want you to think about. First and foremost, I want you to practice awareness. So I want you to understand what you feel and why you keep, you know, from how to keep from being triggered by someone else's behaviors. I want you to know what emotions are truly yours. And I want you to be mindful not to let someone else dictate the conversation. So when you're aware, I want you to think about what is this person stirring up inside of me? So I'm still responsible for the feelings that I have. I may not have created them initially, but I'm still responsible. What are they telling me? So if I'm having negative emotions, if I'm afraid, if I feel belittled, if I feel hurt, scared, upset, the majority of the time I'm with this person, we have to say to ourselves then, where's the adult that would remove that little inner child from that situation? Would an adult let a little child hang out with someone like this? So the adult part of me has to say, no, they, they don't get to have that soft, vulnerable, intimate part of me because they don't treat that part of me well. And so this is important to be aware of what's going on so that you, if you're good at trying to be relational, may take on more responsibility. You may say, well, it's because I'm doing this and I shouldn't do that. And if I would have done this, then he or she would not have acted this way. <clears throat> so I want you to be really aware of what's going on and what is truly you and what is them. And then I want you to set clear boundaries and I want you to use words to clearly state what behaviors you're not willing to accept. And in extreme cases, like we said earlier in this segment, you may need a restraining order. And, and in less threatening situations, it could mean that you simply state you're not willing to continue the relationship. That you're saying, I, I'm not going to be with you any longer. I refuse. And so the last one here I want you to think about is you use calm, clear communication whenever it's possible. See, you only have control over your own behaviors. You only can do your side of the street. So just because someone else is getting riled up and shouting or threats or, you know, <clears throat> it doesn't mean that you have to join them. See, you staying calm can de-escalate a situation, even if it doesn't change the other person's behavior. You can still take the high road by maintaining your own integrity. You're with yourself 24 hours a day, seven days a week for eternity. So you get to choose if you're going to be the person that God originally designed you to be, or if you are going to be a version of you that this dysfunctional person is trying to make you be. This is up to you. This is your choice. So when we, when we look at this, this is all part of this DEF CON principle. This is, this is part of the Wars to Peace book. And it really is about keeping relationships from going nuclear. And we use this DEF CON as an analogy to understand where am I at? So that I don't shock and surprise myself by just completely losing it and not realizing how angry I was that I have to know I'm losing control of myself. I better 
walk away, take a breath, take a break, do whatever I need to do because I can't take it back. Now, I can apologize if I need to and hope that the person receives the apology. But what if I hit somebody? What if I throw something at someone? What if I scream something that's so degrading? And then I have to live with that as the other person does. And so we have to work on saying, I can only control me. That's the only one I have control of, and I have a hard enough time with that. So I don't want to try to control other people so that they bring out a good version of me because they're treating me in a particular way. I want to be the one that is being a good version of me because I'm committed to that. So reactors versus responders, okay? See, when scientists study animals in the wild, and you know how much I love animals, they examine how each species responds to certain stimuli. For example, when provoked by a predator, a porcupine throws these sharp quills, a skunk sprays this foul odor, and a cobra strikes to kill. See, these reactions are instinctual behaviors that happen almost automatically. Many times they are automatic because animals aren't really thinking about it. They're just surviving. So what sets humans apart from these wild creatures is that when we're provoked, we have the cognitive ability to pause. Imagine a different possible outcome to the situation and then choose how to respond. So we have that ability to imagine how we would like this situation to go, how we would like it to end. It may not happen, but we have forethought. We have the ability to wait. We have the, the ability to formulate a plan that says, you know, if I do this, then that's going to happen. If I don't do this, then this will happen. What do I want to do to have the best outcome for me so that I don't have a ton of regrets and I don't have to, you know, go home and and have a shame attack because I don't like how I handled myself or I don't want to go home and and do the shoulda, coulda, woulda, if only then. I should have said this. If I would have said that, you know, I could have left. I could have done that. Whatever it was, I want you to be able to think while you're in the moment and not have to do you know, the Monday morning quarterbacking, right? So ask yourself, are you a reactor or a responder? Do you just follow your, your biology? Do you just do what's natural to you? Or are you a responder and you choose how you're going to act? You choose how you'll respond. You'll choose how quickly you apologize if you need to and rectify a situation. You choose to leave, even if nobody understands why you're leaving. So when faced with this adversity, do you generally feel proud of how you respond? Or do you end up flying off the handle, saying and doing something that you know you have to apologize for later? In other words, are you behaving like a person or a porcupine? Are you doing the automatic responses and then hoping that it works and then having regret after? Or are you able to stop and for take two seconds to breathe and relax your body so you can think? So you can get to the adult part of your brain. See, humans who thoughtfully choose their responses can expect to get the best possible outcomes even in difficult situations. So this is what I want you to think about. 
using that DEFCON principle, the 54321, and wanting to live at the five and not going nuclear as your first option. But being able to say, you know, I can make some choices here. I can take two seconds to breathe and relax. And it takes two seconds to rethink a situation. So I'm so glad that you joined me. And I really want you to take advantage of all that we have for you online. We have lots of great handouts and we have study guides for the, for the shows. And just lots of great insights and just support during the week. And I'm excited about this book coming out. I want you to, to be looking on Amazon because this is where it's going to be published. And really, if you read it, please write a helpful, um, just, just your reaction to it and how you responded to it, how well you felt it, if it helped you at all. And so I'm so glad that it is finally done. And I have to tell you, so, so is my husband. <laughs> Very glad it's done. So thank you so much for all the support that you've given in this process. And I really look forward to you having a copy of it. And I want you to be able to take advantage of it. And so I want you to be the best version of you. I want you to really practice responding first. And knowing that you have time, unless, remember the four things, blood, broken bones, nobody's breathing fire. We don't have time then. Anything else, we have time. Take advantage of it. So God bless you, and I'll talk to you next week. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version.